Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today by Greg Johnstone and Chris Lucas. We got a great episode for you today. We got to speak to John Bell, um, who was recently signed by the New England Revolution first team, um, and of course made some waves on Twitter with the announced John Bell hashtag movement. So it was great to catch up with him shortly after he made his debut last weekend on Saturday um, in the preseason against the Galaxy. Um, we'll play that one for you now, and then we have a couple of news stories we can catch up on after that interview. Joining us today on Revolution Recap is New England Revolution defender John Bell, who just recently signed a first-team contract with the New England Revolution after spending 2020 with Revolution 2. John, how are you feeling? How's the preseason going out there in Los Angeles? It's been great. It's been really good, you know, enjoying the weather and enjoying, you know, playing around with, you know, my new teammates and a couple of my old teammates from, from Revs 2. So it's been a pretty good preseason so far for me. And you made your preseason first team debut as a substitute against the Galaxy. How did you feel about your performance? Um, what were your thoughts on kind of making your first team debut in the preseason? Um, it was great. You know, I was really eager to get on the field and, you know, finally being able to, to do that. It felt awesome. Um, you know, obviously we didn't come with the, the, the result that we wanted. But, you know, coming in, you know, as a defender, you know, you're down 1-0, you want to keep it at that score. So, um one takeaway I'll take is, you know, we didn't allow any goals, but, you know, obviously there's always room for improvement, especially in, in the first game of preseason. Where have you been training in preseason? I know naturally you've, you've been a left back in the past, but you converted to a center back last season at Revs 2. Um, are you training mostly as a center back, or have you seen any time at left back? Um, I've been training as a center back um, since being with the first team in, in preseason. And Bruce Arena mentioned that with less restrictions due to COVID this year, the first team and Revs 2 will train more often together. And there might be more players from the senior team that get minutes with Revs 2, like Justin Rennix did last year. Do you have any sense, or is Arena talked to you at all, if you'd be splitting some time between the senior team and, and Revs 2 this season? Um, you know, obviously, uh, I hope for that, uh, to, to get that opportunity to, to get in, into the, the first team. Obviously, you know, the depth chart is, is pretty big with our center backs especially with uh, Kessler coming back and, and AJ too. But um, I'm I'm perfectly fine with, you know, having to go back down to like West too and having to work my way, you know, up the ranks to prove that, you know, I can play with, with first team at an MLS level. And you're one of three players from Revs 2 that uh, got signed by the first team this year, along with Colin Verfuth and, and Maciel. Uh, for our listeners that didn't get to watch a lot of Revs 2 last season, can you talk about those two guys a little bit and the type of players they are and, and what we might expect to see from them this season? Um, they're honestly just, you know, they're, they're, they're great guys, teammates off the field and, and even better on the field. You know, for a lot of people that don't know, like Maciel, like he's, he's just a, he's a baller. Like he's, if, there was like a way to describe Marcia, like describe him as like the three C's. He's, he's calm, he's cool, he's collective. You know, he's always composed. You know, he doesn't let, you know, the game get underneath him. He's always being relaxed on the ball. He, he makes the right decisions. And, you know, for Colin, you know, he was a big part of my help transitioning into a center back last year. Um, just helping me out, making me feel comfortable playing in that spot. Um, Colin's just, a great leader on the field vocal wise and 
you know, he's always in those right spots, and I try to learn off of him as much as I can. Are there any other guys on Revs 2 that you played with last year that you think Revs fans should keep an eye on as someone that could make the, the jump to the first team in the future? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, Connor's one. You know, he's playing, obviously, like outside of his position right now, usually a right winger. And, you know, he's taking on a big task of playing left back. And if, you know, people had watched uh, against Galaxy on, on Saturday, you know, he held his own really well playing on the left side of the right footer. And, you know, I think Kobe, too, you know, he's still really young. And for him to be at this level, you know, playing the way he is with a lot of confidence and, 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 and style to it, you know, I think for sure within you know, the next year or two, Kobe's definitely going to make some noise. And you spent some time in the D.C. United Academy. What was that experience like? And was there ever any talk about, you know, potentially signing with D.C. either, you know, before you graduated college or potentially signing with them as a, as a homegrown later on? Um, it was a great experience. Obviously, I have to thank them just for, you know, everything because that's that's where a big part of growing and maturing as a player came from. Um, You know, before I was there, I was a striker. And when I went to D.C., I became a left back. And, you know, being there at left back, you know, it helped me get into a Division One school and, and helped me get drafted. So, um, you know, there were, you know, talks. I, I was able – I got the opportunity to train with the first team a lot when, when I was there. And even when I was still in college, I'd go back and, and play with the U23 team. So, um, you know, there there were talks, but obviously, you know, it didn't work out that way. And, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, I'm still – I still made it. Yeah, John, yeah. talking about the draft, actually, whenever we have a guest on who went through the draft like yourself – uh, we like to get their super draft story and what the process was like for you. It was a little bit different than previous guests that we've had on. You were drafted in the second round, going 38th overall to San Jose. Uh, what was that experience like? Um, it was, you know, a really great experience, especially for me because, you know, I had gotten into the draft, you know, pretty late in terms of the uh, the combines. Uh, I didn't do the MLS combine that they usually have. Um, I actually went to like a different combine. It was the only one that I had gone to. Um, that's a big like shout out to just you know my agent who really helped me out to to get into that that pool to to show my, showcase my talent and you know I was able to to prove enough in, in the two days two three days that I had out there um, to show an MLS team you know what I was capable of and going to San Jose for for preseason it was a great experience because that was my honestly, like my first taste of, of being in a professional environment with MLS guys. Um, so it, it was a great experience for me. I definitely grew a lot from it. And I learned a lot from it too. Were you expecting to be drafted? Um, I was. Um, it, it's funny because, you know, going into to the draft, just because, you know, I was coming from, you know, a school that didn't participate in, in the in the tournament, um, I, my anticipation was, just praying to get drafted in, in the third or, or fourth round. And the day of the draft, you know, I, I spoke to my agent and he was telling me, like, you, you know, you made a lot of noise at that one combine and, you know, a lot of teams were calling about you. So I, I didn't even notice I was, I got drafted when I did, I was on the phone with, uh, with my mom at the time. And next, you know, my phone was blowing up saying I got drafted to San Jose. So it was, it was a dope moment for me. 
now with the revolution, you know, you were signed to a USL contract right before the start of the 2020 season. How did that come about? Um, it was, uh, really like, you know, after kind of, you know, we're still in, in the pandemic and the league was starting back up again. And, um, you know, I got called that, you know, Rez needed a player. Um, I didn't know it was going to be to be a center back, but, you know, at that point, um, you know, obviously not getting picked up by San Jose and, and struggling to find a team, you know, with the seasons coming back, you know, I was desperate to just, just to play again. And, and I didn't care where it was. and I didn't care what position I had to play. I just, you know, wanted to be on the field. So, you know, when I got that opportunity to, to fly up to Boston, I was all for it. And I was just ready to get to work. For uh, the 2021 season, I guess, what is uh, what are your goals, you know, personally and for the team? Um, You know, for me, it's, it's just becoming a, a better player, a better teammate, you know, a better center back. You know, obviously, I've, like, grown into this position and, and I've gotten comfortable with it. So, you know, at this point, it's just, you know, being a sponge, you know, with, with the guys that I have around me, you know, that are older than me. Um, you know, for myself, obviously – I want to be on, on that MLS roster as much as I can. And, you know, for the position I'm in right now, I have a great opportunity to showcase it, you know, being on rest too as well. I just have to – each time I get an opportunity to showcase, I, I just got to do what I have to do. You know, um, last year, being on rest too, I knew that, you know, the first team were going to be looking at me and watching the games. And, you know, it's going to be the same same thing this, this year as well. So I just have to, you know, keep that same energy and just go out there and, give a hard work at each time. Uh, well, I'm talking about revs too, you know, obviously the coaches and everything watching you and we got to watch you, you know, through ESPN plus and everything like that. Um, but of course no one was able to attend any games. So there's a, a real, you know, lack of atmosphere in the stadium. What was that like for you? You know, some players like to say that it doesn't affect them. Others admit it does. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? And uh, how are you looking forward to seeing fans return to Gillette? Um, for me, fans of, you know, being in an empty stadium, it doesn't really affect me. You know, I'm just, once the game starts, I'm honestly just locked in. I don't really, you know, focus on the outside noise, you know, obviously apart from, you know, my coaches. But um, obviously it's going to be great to have fans back because, you know, if there's one thing fans do, it's, it's they do bring a lot of energy, you know, to the team, the home team, and, and you know, mm-hmm. to the players as well. Just hearing, you know, that voice and that chance. And, you know, the screams and excitement from, you know, and, and the applause when you, you know, make a good play and stuff like that. So it's, it's going to be great to have fans back in the stadium for sure. Uh, John, our listeners who uh, are on Twitter obviously know about the announced John Bell hashtag, uh, which for those who aren't on Twitter, uh, was essentially a handful of Revs fans uh, and writers that were uh, kind of pushing for your signing to the first team. Uh, what was your reaction yeah. to being one of the most popular figures of the offseason on Revs Twitter? Um. It's a really dope experience. Uh, I, I honestly, I didn't expect it. Um, I was really just blessed that, you know, I was getting a lot of, you know, praise and recognition from, from guys, fans, you know, who might not have been able to see me, you know, just like you said, because of ESPN Plus and stuff like that. So for, for me, it was a really dope experience. Um, you know, I, I used it, honestly, as motivation for myself to, you know, make that happen, you know. I wanted to speak it into existence and, and, you know, having fans also on my side with, you know, wanting to achieve that goal made it even better for me and, and a lot more satisfaction at the end of it. 
when did you find out you were signing a contract with the senior team? It was announced last week, but some people, you know, know that the Revs traded for your rights at the end of the season. Was that something that came about over the off season? Did you learn you're being signed um, in preseason uh, before you went out to LA? When did you get the good news? Um, it was during preseason, actually. You know, um, I remember when I had gotten like I saw that they had traded my rights, and and uh, for me it was just like. I'm one step closer to, to what I want to achieve. Um, and, and I knew that coming into preseason that I was going to have to be able to showcase, you know, what, what I'm, what I can do on the field to prove that I deserve a spot on, on the team. So it, it, yeah, I, I found out, you know, during preseason, not before. So. And also during the announced John Bell hashtag, um, obviously a lot of people were looking up obscure facts about you and trying to dig into anything that they could find. And one thing that I found was that you went to UMBC and at UMBC, there's also a mathematics professor named Jonathan Bell. So I, I have to ask you, have you ever had a class with Jonathan Bell? No, I, I didn't. Uh, nah. <laughs> my, my major didn't require me to take a math class that, uh, that high up in level. So, did you ever know of him i feel like you almost had to take the class for comedic effect not that's the thing i i'm just you know it's funny i always find out how many johnson spells are just like the popular name like it seems like you know so but no i never took that class I, i made the comment that i think umbc leads the nation in john bell's uh, I also I also have to say, uh, looking at your social media, I see you're a very big basketball fan, and you are a UMBC graduate. So I have to ask you, where does the UMBC Virginia 16-1 upset game uh, rank among your favorite sports moments? Oh, that's like top top five. You know, that was like a really dope experience for our school. You know, it's funny because whenever people find out I go to UMBC and they ask, you know, how did the the school react when it happened? It's like we were all on spring break. No one was at school to, you know, really celebrate. So <laughs> campus was quiet during that whole uh, weekend that it had happened. Yeah. I, I also got to ask, have you mentioned that game to Henry Kessler? Have you ever talked about it or have you kind of avoided talking no, about I it? Haven't, too soon? I haven't even uh, got the chance to meet him yet because, you know, he was obviously with national team. But I'm definitely going to bring it up more than once just to let it rub it in on him. Hey, John, I also have one more question because uh, I was going through your social media looking for questions, and I, I take it you're a Ravens fan. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, because I, I noticed you're not a big fan of the Patriots. For Just for context, I noticed on January 20th, 2019, you tweeted in all caps, why God, why do you want the Patriots back in the Super Bowl? I'm just curious, now that you're in Foxborough, any chance we can convert <laughs> you to the dark side to become a Patriots fan? They have a great owner. Uh, I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah. So any chance we can convert you to a Pats fan? Yeah, I'm I'm full path, you know. I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, they got Cam back. They, you know, they got some a lot of good free agents. So, you know, I'm always gonna root for the team that I'm. I'm gonna always root for my home team now because you know, obviously Boston's my home now. Uh, and and also, I gotta ask you too. Your handle AstroBell23. Is there any meaning behind that, or any any you know, where does that moniker come from? Um. For me, growing up as a kid, I was a big fan of, of cartoons, and um, one of them was, was Astro Boy. Like, I always, that was like one of my favorite cartoons. I used to have like t-shirts and, you know, like action figures of him. So um, the name kind of just, it sounded nice when you put Astro and Bell together. 
So it kind of just worked out that way in Astro Bell, 23. And also, I mean, I'm guessing it's your favorite number, but you changed your number from 70 to 23. Uh, is is it just because 23 is your favorite number? Is it a Michael Jordan number? Is there any, any particular meaning to the number 23? Yeah, I, I mean, 23 is like, you know, it, it's one of those numbers that it's popular because of, you know, one guy, Michael Jordan, and who is, you know, obviously I'm a big basketball fan, so, um, you know, that one Gatorade commercial, you know, want to be like Mike, for me, getting 23 was, it's like big for me as a, as a, a, a sports fan and, and as a basketball player. And, you know, obviously um, I'm also a, a big fan of uh, LeBron too and, and Beckham who also picked 23, you know, for the same reason, because of, you know, Jordan. So for me getting that number, it's special just because I've worn it since, you know, I was, really young and also my dad he also wore it when he played soccer in college too so I carry it I'm just carrying it on well so John we have a segment here called extra time where we put 60 seconds on the clock and we're going to run through some somewhat random rapid fire questions are you game to give this a go yeah for sure all right feel free to skip anything if you can't think of an answer but um all right growing up who was your sports idol Kobe Bryant if you could have any one superpower, what would it be? Be able to fly. Nice, nice. Uh, what's your pregame meal? I will say pregame meal, probably pesto pasta with some chicken. Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation. Do you have any superstitions? No. Favorite non-MLS soccer club? Liverpool. Name a song on your current playlist. I will say Power, Kanye West. All right. And lastly, Pineapple on Pizza. Never. (laughs) All right. Good man. Thanks, Sean. You you run the gamut there, so thank you. Correct answer. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> All right, John. I don't know how people do it, man. I just can't. I've tried it, and I'm, I'll pass on every time. Uh, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> uh, be, before we let you go, what would you say has been your best experience as a soccer player to this point? Um, I, I honestly, I say you know being able to achieve my goals. You know, I'm one. I'm one person that you know when I put my mind to something, I, I really set out to achieve it. So. Um, this for me would definitely be the biggest just because, you know, I had to get drafted and, and not to get signed and then having to, to do a year uh, of USL and, and then being able to get a second chance at it, um, you know, speaking, you know, what I wanted to do into existence and, and getting that MLS contract. So definitely that for sure. Well, congrats again on, on getting that MLS contract. We're all excited to see you play this year. Good luck in the preseason and good luck this season. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And that was New England Revolution defender John Bell, who signed with the first team uh, just a, about a week ago now. Got to see him make his preseason debut against the LA Galaxy. A great interview with him. So, you know, some some news we can we can jump into too. One of which being John Bell sign signing last week. Greg, what, what else has happened since our last podcast? 
Yeah, well, well, John Bell and Massiel signed uh, Massiel, a uh, central midfielder who, uh, you know, if you if you listen to Bruce Arena's press conferences, um, he said a, a lot of really positive things about Massiel. I know John Bell and Massiel both made their team debuts in the preseason uh, last weekend. So um, I, I'd say that is the most recent news item to go over. Um, it might be kind of minor moves. We're unsure of where these two players fit. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, um, they might see some time in between Revs 1 and Revs 2, but um, I, I think it's a it's a very solid rounding out uh, of the roster, I would say. It seems like Maciel certainly could see some minutes uh, and has proven some quality. And John Bell, we've, we've talked about the lack of center back depth, uh, and he might be very hopeful there. It seems like he's still training uh, at center back in preseason. So um, I don't know what your, your thoughts are on those two guys. Chris, any, any thoughts on uh, John Bell and Maciel? Yeah, I... I... I'm just happy to see, you know, the pipeline working. Um, you know, we're getting these guys up and we're getting good depth pieces, which is, you know, something that we need. I guess midfield, really, we didn't need that much uh, additional depth. But Maciel, he's definitely a raw talent. And I, I did get to see him a bit, you know, in that first preseason match on Saturday night. And he really impressed. You know, he started with the with the first 11 and he went up against pretty solid uh, L.A. opposition and, uh, he he performed very well. Um, I don't I don't have his stats in front of me, but he you know he the eye test you know 100% passed that. I was I was very impressed. And then um, yeah, John Bell. We're, we've been talking about it so far all off season. We need more depth at the center back position. You know we were like, who do we have? You know if Henry Kessler goes down, is De La Garza going to be the guy? Verfuth. Now we have another name to add in that mix of John Bell. So uh, yeah, I'm happy happy to see those two coming on. Yeah, Chris makes a great point about Massiel. He got the start in the in the um, first preseason game. I don't read too much into the fact he got the start, but I do read into the fact that he performed really well. Um, it's obviously a big step up to to you know to play at that level, and he he looked very comfortable and kind of fit with what John Bell was saying about him. You know, cool, calm, and collected in that uh, performance from from Massiel. So, like Chris said, I think central midfield is not a position the Revs needed depth in. It's a pretty crowded field, but you kind of get a sense from that preseason why, despite that, uh, Massiel was one of the guys from Revs too that the the team decided to promote and add to the first team. Um, you know, again, I, I don't know where his minutes are going to come from this season. It's a, it's a very crowded with, you know, Poster, Caldwell, Captoom, um, you know, McNamara. It's, it's going to be a, a fight for minutes back there, but he, he certainly showed promise in his preseason debut. Yeah. And, you know, not, I, I think it's speaks to uh, revs two already, even though we've had one, you know, kind of rough pandemic year uh, where you wouldn't expect to see a whole lot of development. You have three guys that, uh, might come up and make an immediate impact between John Bell, Colin Verfuth, uh, and and Maciel. And, um, you know, John Bell and Verfuth, one of them at least is going to have to play some minutes in, in my mind. Um, I, I don't think you're going to be able to go all year with just Kessler and Farrell um, or just Kessler, Farrell, and De La Garza. So um, one of those two will be making an impact. And then Maciel, as you guys said, there's already a backlog in central midfield. So he's kind of worked his way into that conversation is already impressing. So it's really just a, great to have Revs too and kind of provide that pipeline where you can take someone like John Bell, who was drafted to another team, sign him, develop him for a year, and then promote him to the senior team. Um, so that, that's just very, very encouraging all the way around. And um, hopefully they, we, we see them out there and they continue to impress um, and I would add to that, actually, too, you know, the Open Cup just released um, what the requirements are for MLS teams to to qualify. And, you know, after three the first three weeks uh, of MLS play, the top eight teams in the on the table are going to be qualified. And uh, if 
the Revolution do that, which in my opinion, they should be one of the top eight teams. Um, but depends on how they start, of course. But if they if they qualify for the Open Cup, you know, that's going to be plenty of minutes for the depth guys. And Bruce mentioned in his press conference uh, today, we're recording this on Monday. Um, he mentioned in his press conference today that he uh, is always trying to build up fitness and have players at their peak fitness kind of towards the end of the year. And he talked about avoiding burnout. Um, and, and one of the things he mentioned was that they're going to have three games a week at some points this season. Uh, and so they're going to need some rotation. They're going to need uh, that depth. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, having a Maciel or a Verfuth or a John Bell, uh, who maybe they, they get the majority of minutes at Revs 2, but they come up and they, they play a game uh, here or there for Revs 1 and, and put in a quality performance. Um, that, that's going to be really key to the Revolution, so it'll be exciting to see them uh, play throughout the season. And as you yeah. mentioned, the Open Cup. We don't know if they're in the Open Cup yet, but uh, certainly... They should be. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll certainly just add on to the taxing schedule. And yes, they, they should be, considering uh, the, the first three games in the regular season, but... Uh, regardless, the, the first three games in the regular season, two of them are home games for the Revs. One of them is at Chicago and then home against D.C. and then home against an Atlanta United team that I think might take some time to find their footing. So, if you you know, it's a stupid way to decide who gets into the Open Cup. But if you're just looking at that schedule, you know, you have to think the Revs should be in the Open Cup based on having two of their first three games at home. And, you know, I don't think Chicago and D.C. are the teams that jump off the paper as, as you know, top tier teams this season to me, at least yet. No, I like, and I like the chances. And for full context here, U.S. Open Cup announced their uh, requirements to get in. And I think it's 16 teams get in. And I think what the top eight MLS teams, uh, eight MLS teams are going in. Um, And basically, it's going to be standings through three games in the regular season. So just to qualify, though, I mean, you at least need six points in my mind. But but the Revs can do that. I, I think if the Revs seven points through those first three games, I don't think is unrealistic for the revolution. So, um, and, and Bruce Arena said, if we qualify for it, we're going to try to win it. Uh, he said that today at his press conference as well. So um, yeah, ho- hopefully we get to see some bonus revolution soccer. Hopefully we get to see this depth in the U S open cup, but just in general with this whole structure, I mean, it's, it's a really, really big mess. Uh, and I, I don't know, I COVID COVID ruins everything. So Moving on from the U.S. Open Cup, uh, the Arnor Trostason signing was official. We talked about this a lot, uh, I think two episodes back in January. I know we covered this uh, a lot. I think it was you and me, Chris. Sean, do you have any reaction to the Trostason signing? Obviously, it'll be a very impactful signing uh, for the season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the positions they absolutely needed to upgrade with Christian Pena gone, um, finding kind of that, that left midfielder. So I'm I'm curious to see how he adapts to the play in MLS. Um, but on paper, it looks like a really good signing. Uh, I think it was the right move to the revolution. It was a position of absolute need. And, you know, you look at the revolution's kind of attack now, and it looks really, really solid. A lot of great pieces up there. Whether it all comes together on the field is, is a question that remains to be seen. I think the, the revolution need uh, Buxa to take another step forward. But I think uh, Trasson, you know, next to Carly's heel, Gustavo Bo, there's a lot of firepower on this revolution team on paper now. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're thinking to depth, uh, if you want to play that card at all, now we're you know behind Trostason. He's got Emma Boateng and Teal Bunbury fighting for minutes there. Right. Uh, so that's a lot of competition. And if Trostason wants to get those minutes, uh, he has to make sure that he's elevating his play as well. I think it's going to be a healthy competition there. Um, and it's definitely the position that I am you know most forward, uh, most looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Yeah, I've played a few uh, games on FIFA with the the new Revs roster, and I got to say, Boateng's speed off the bench is a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You always like the fast players. Somi was like a surefire starter for you back when he was on the the team. So take, take that with a grain of salt to our listeners. Oh, oof. 
uh, I, I will uh, also add too that uh, Trostison's transfer fee was I think four hundred thousand, uh, five hundred thousand, somewhere in that range. He was coming out of contract, so they they certainly got a below uh, market value price uh, since he had an expiring contract. But um, by my math, I mean I. I He's not a designated player. Uh, the TAM that the Revs kind of have in there, their bank should be able to cover his salary easily. Uh, there's no no word on what his salary is. Uh, but Bruce has kind of said, you know, we can still go out and acquire a player in the summer. And, and by my guesstimate, uh, which, you know, probably isn't worth very much, the Revs certainly can can still have make a couple of other moves. They still have three open roster spots. They look to be senior roster spots. So um, the Revs, it's, it's not past them to still make another acquisition this summer. Um, later on in the year. So I, I think this signing uh, checks a lot of boxes and still gives the revolution a lot of flexibility for later in the year. Um, the, the, oh. one, the one quick note on that that I, I did want to say is I think, I think the Revs are full on international roster spots now, right? Which is kind of the, the interesting right. move with uh, Masiel because he takes up a, a, an international and, and Kiza taking up international roster spots, right? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the revolution have two international roster spots being used by players on the supplemental roster, which you really don't see that much. So it, it is a, they probably will have to acquire one. Uh, it, 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 it's really more of a hurdle uh, than a barrier. So, uh, you know, the, the revs could go out and acquire one for, you know, a hundred thousand in allocation money or something like that later in the year, if they do need uh, another international player. But um, it, it is a little bit strange to see, you know, one team trade away a, an international roster spot for, I think 225,000 in allocation money or something like that. And the revs are using two on players on the supplemental roster. But, um, but, but on the bright side, uh, you can also look at them as having faith in K- uh, Kiza, uh, and also having faith in Maciel, which we talked about a little bit earlier this episode, uh, even though they're supplemental roster players, which traditionally have not been impactful players, um, the Revs using international spots and, and assets on those players just kind of speaks to their faith in them. So um, it, it's better than international roster spots going to waste. Uh, but you're right, Sean, it's a, a, a bit odd to see, um, you know, going into a season. I find it interesting, too, that they're using two international roster spots on those guys. And I, you, you, you could potentially read into it that you know, Arena does think they're going to have an impact because it would be weird to use kind of two international roster spots and supplemental players that end up not, you know, not playing much at all. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, in Maciel's case, you have you're, you're pretty well set at central midfield. So why would you bring up a player and use an international roster spot on someone you're not going to use? You know what I'm saying? So uh, and, and same with Kiza. I mean, they could have gotten by without Kiza. Uh, you know, they could have acquired a number nine from really anywhere in USL or any, you know, they, they probably could have found another one in the draft, uh, but they liked Kiza so much uh, they wanted to use an international roster spot. I should also add that I don't think the revolution are really, you know, poor on allocation money or anything like that. So um, I, I don't think the revolution were looking at their international roster spots and saying, you know, we need to tr- turn these into something. You know what I mean? Um, if, if they were, I think in a bit more of a budget crunch, I think maybe they, you know, there's more reason to trade those, slots but I, I don't think that's the case I, I think they still have some flexibility to go out and, and get another player and if it's an international roster uh, an international player um, I, I think they'll go out and just acquire a slot from someone who's not using it with that being said too they can uh, add these guys to international roster spots because Luis Caicedo got his green card uh, so that's good news uh, he's a little bit more uh, valuable to the team and does no no longer takes up um, an international roster spot so that is good news on him uh, and then finally the schedule was, was released um, mostly Eastern Conference teams. I think there's two Western Conference teams the the Revs play. I'd have to look that up. Uh, I should have been more prepared for this. Guys, any any thoughts on the schedule being released? Chris, I'll I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it is very you know Eastern Conference heavy, which 
I don't know. Maybe that's the way MLS is going to be heading anyway uh, down the road once we get so many teams that it doesn't make any sense um, to try to play every team on, on both uh, conferences. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking ahead. I, I have a couple of dates uh, circled here. My The big one for me, I'm, I really want to see August 28th and September 11th. It's like a home and away with uh, New York City FC. Um, and that's, you know, mid to late season there. Uh, it's probably going to be a very important match, uh, especially for Eastern Conference standings. And then, you know, we follow that up with a with going to Philly. Um, so that stretch right there is is what I'm really looking at. And that's probably going to be a very pivotal time in the season. So, yeah, that's that's what I have circled. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's good to be seeing the L.A. teams in the preseason because they're not going to be seeing them in the regular season. Yes. Um, it, it, I, I get why they're playing an Eastern Central Eastern centric schedule this year but it is it is disappointing that we're you know not seeing more of the west coast teams we obviously didn't see you know much of any of them last year in the regular season and um to see so little of them again this year is is, is a little bit disappointing um i hope that doesn't become the the norm going forward and it is also um to me a little bit disappointing that the west coast teams of the revolution do see are fc dallas and the colorado rapids not exactly the most glamorous of of mls sides um but with that said you know <laughs> anything compared to last year is more variety yes yeah no no montreal and philadelphia seven times but um yeah and, and tommy mcnamara was asked about it last week and he mentioned that every game is pretty much a six pointer so it just kind of adds on to the urgency in every single game so um i don't know i, I don't particularly like it i'm kind of with you sean um but you know, every game's important. Every game will be a must-watch. So, I don't know. I guess there's a, a bit of a plus side. So, uh, before we wrap up here, guys, why don't you give out your uh, social media handles? Sean, I'll start with you. You can follow me at Sean L. Donahue on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well or other, I guess, social media platforms. It's always at Revs Revolt or uh, you can find me personal account at Chris Valukas, K-R-I-S-V-A-L-U-K-I-S. And you can follow us at Revolution Recap. You can also uh, like our Facebook page on uh, – well, sorry, you can like our Revolution Recap uh, Facebook page. And you can also leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening. We always appreciate reviews, uh, especially the positive ones. Also, if you missed it, Chris and I uh, also were on the stateside soccer show with a uh, New England Revolution season preview where we kind of talked about the roster. If you haven't heard it, uh, I, I encourage you to go listen kind of as a – bit of a season preview but check us out there and give them a follow on social media as well um, i believe they're just at stateside soccer show um, but they're doing a season preview for uh, every single team uh, in mls so if you're interested in philadelphia i know they had a philadelphia uh, episode last week as well so uh, give them a follow if you could it's at, at stateside show for them at stateside show thank you chris for, for fact checking me there real quick and that just about does it uh, not sure when we'll be doing our next episode but until then thank you everyone for listening and go reps you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.